0: This has been an unprecedented week in the history of our country. You see, on Monday, we as a team came together and we started to put plans in place for what this week could look like. More hand sanitizer, making sure we step up our game and disinfecting around here. By Tuesday, as we were driving to school, I said to my oldest son, hey Liam, do you know they're looking at playing NBA games without having anybody in the stands? And he said, dad, that's never gonna happen. Well, by Wednesday night, The whole entire season was canceled, postponed. By the time we got to Thursday as a team, we sat back down and thought, what could this look like in the coming weeks? Let's start to put together some online services to be prepared. And we were prepared to do that next week and then things started to happen much quicker, which brings us to the difficult decision that we have in front of you today. We hate to cancel, but for the safety of all of our families and every individual that comes to Riverside, we thought this was the best possible solution And so we thank you for joining us today because many of you right now are living in a season of fear. You're bracing yourself for what's to come. You're worried about what's going to happen to your community, your neighborhood, perhaps even your home. And you're listening to what people are saying. You hear people nervousness all wherever we go. And I want to remind you that today that the stuff that is coming against us, the things that you see in the news media, yeah, it's scary. It even could be considered big. But let me tell you today, it's not bigger than Jesus because there are people running scared left and right. There are people nervous about what they're hearing. And it sounds a lot like where we left off last Sunday together. To remind you, we shared the story of David and Goliath. And if you remember, Goliath came And for the 40th day in a row, people scattered. People fleed at the sound of his voice. Every single day, he was taunting them. Every single day, people ran in various different directions. We saw back in scripture that what they said and what they heard made the situation seem dire. Everyone was frightened. Everyone except for David. You see, let me tell you today, even when the situation seems overwhelming, God is still overseeing the situation. Because if you look back at what happened in David's life, you know the rest of the story. We said he was victorious. He cut off the head of the giant. And he ends up going and Saul makes him commander of the army. Everything is going great. They even have a ticker tape parade for him. As he's coming down the town center, we see it says in scripture that they start singing a song. Saul has killed thousands David has killed 10,000. On top of that, everyone loved David. It was unexpected because remember, he was unqualified. He rose in popularity that no one saw coming. See, he was just a shepherd. He came from a lowly background. And sometimes we see that. Have you ever experienced that before where someone rises from the ranks? Somebody gets that promotion that you never saw coming? Or you sometimes see... Some guys you are like, how in the world did he end up with her? Like that he's really out of her league or she's really out of his league. And we say things like, well, she looks fine and he smells funky. But a lot of times that's what happens. Things happen that are so unexpected. See, this was all new to David. He was a hero. He was known. He was a celebrity. And when we see here immediately, David he starts to rise in the ranks and Saul gets jealous of him. We see it almost immediately and Saul remembers that Samuel had told him not so long ago that the Lord had rejected him, that the Lord had rejected Saul from being king of Israel any longer. And Saul starts to put the puzzle pieces together. He starts to see that God has raised David and was raising him into the position. And just like we talked about last week, we see again that Saul is confronted with his tormenting spirit. And we see David come in and he again begins to play the harp. Did you catch that? That the same hands that killed Goliath were now back to playing the harp. See, we talk about here at Riverside, serving is our priority. And David is the ultimate example of serving. He was the hero that still came back down to a lofty, and a lowly position and served his king. See, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul tries to throw a spear at David, tries to kill him, not once, not twice, but it goes on to say in 1 Samuel chapter 19, he tries to kill him a third time. And what happens is we start to see David flee to a place called Gath, a city called Gath, and he becomes a fugitive. Well, today we're going to spend a little bit of time in the Psalms. You see, you have to know that David, he went on to write 73 Psalms in that book, many of which during this time when he was on the run, many during this time when he was a fugitive. See, I'll tell you, this week I spent a lot of time in the Psalms. As I've been rock- watching news reports, as I've been looking up stuff online, there's, it's very easy for us to be in a fearful state of mind. And that's much where David was in so many different parts. And so today, for the next few moments, we're going to make our way through kind of David's emotions, David's feelings, starting with Psalm chapter 56, verse 3. And it says, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? See, this was a young man That had killed a bear, killed a lion, and killed a giant. But even sometimes he was still afraid. But he knew what to do with that fear. Because we see here that he boldly proclaimed his trust in God despite his fear. He was scared, but he says, I will put my trust in you. You see, it's possible for many of us here to have fear, but we saw faith that God sees us through it's possible to have fear and faith occupy the same mind at the same moment. Because if you continue to read in Psalm chapter 56, jumping down to verses nine through 11, he says, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? See, I love that phrase, this I know. That shows confidence. That shows faith. It's saying, I'm not gonna be fearful when I know my God is faithful. See, when we look back in these first 11 verses in chapter 56, we see that David says, I will praise three times and I will trust two times. See, even in the midst of situations that seem overwhelming, We should continue to praise God. We should continue to trust in what he's doing. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, I'm going to trust in God. But what's amazing is you see a change in David from where we started in Psalm 56 verse 1 to verse 13 here. Because he started in verse 1 saying, Oh God, have mercy on me for people are hounding me. My foes are attacking me all day long. But jump to verse 13, for you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Life-giving light. You see, Jesus goes on to quote that very verse in John chapter 8, verse 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to live in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, let me tell you today, that's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he came all those years ago, to move us from darkness and death into light and life in him. You see, in Psalm 57, we go on to see David, he's now hiding in a cave, hiding from Saul. And in the very first verse, in Psalm 57, verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection, I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. Have mercy on me. He actually says it twice because his need is so great. He's basically saying here, God, you're my only hope. His soul trusted in God and nothing else. And to be honest, he didn't have anything else in that season. He had nothing else to trust in. And in times of uncertainty, in times of fear, we can be just like David we can trust or we can tremble. We can trust that God is looking out for us, that he has the best for us, that he's gonna protect us, or we can go into the fetal position, stay in our room, stay in our bed, and get be scared by what's going on around us. So that's my challenge to you. Will you trust or will you tremble? See, I love the image of this when he says, I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings. That image of a mother bird, how she shields her young chick's from predators, from the wind, from the rain, from the elements, by gathering them under her wings. And David often uses that imagery throughout the Psalms. See, you need to know that's what God does. He wraps you up. He cares for you. He comforts you no matter what season you're going through. See, I love in this, it didn't say that the cave was his refuge. It wasn't David's refuge, but rather he says that God was his refuge. Because he came to the cave alone with no one else and nothing else. And God was his only hope. But when we jump down into Psalm chapter 59, look at how David starts. He starts from a place of desperation. See, in verse 1 of chapter 59, he says, Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. And if you jump down to verses 9 and 10, he says, You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me, for you, O God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. See, he started off the chapter by saying, rescue me, protect me. But by the end of this chapter, he was so confident that God was his defense that he could sing about it. He actually goes on to say, I will sing three times. And I imagine it gets... little bit louder each time as he's singing. Because when you sing God's goodness, when you've been delivered, you sing a little bit louder. See, it's good for you that you're not on the front row with me every single Sunday. Because man, I've been delivered from so much. God has done an amazing work in my life. In my times of worship, both corporately together, in my times when I'm just by myself, man, I worship I proclaim God's greatness because I see how far He has brought me, and I sing a little bit louder. See, by the time that we get to Psalm chapter 62, there seems to be a shift in David. In previous chapters, he uses phrases like, Have mercy on me, rescue me from my enemies, hear my prayer, listen to my cry. Many times, David starts off with this great need, this overwhelming circumstance or situation, this crisis that he's facing. But when we get to Psalm chapter 62, David begins by declaring his great confidence in and his trust in God. See, Psalm 62 seems to come from a time of trouble, but he asks God for nothing. It's full of faith and trust. There's no fear. There's no despair. And in Psalm 62, there isn't a single time in which David expresses fear anxiety, or being overwhelmed. There's a shift in tone. There's a shift in attitude. See, it starts off in Psalm 62, verse one and two. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. But when we jump down to verses five and six, he says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. See, I love those two verses there because if you go back to verses five and six, it characterized by an attitude of patience and faith. He's patient. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. And thank you to all of you who have been praying for my patience this week. I haven't haunted a single person who's pulling into the church parking lot all week, hallelujah, God is doing a work in my life. But if you continue to read, he's characterized by faith. He alone is my rock. I don't look to anything else. I look forward to what God has says. See, David repeated the idea that he had all the way back in verse the first couple of verses. See, he says, I will not be greatly shaken. But by the time we get down here into verse six, he takes even a stronger position By the time we get to verse six, he says, I will not be shaken. See, do you see the difference between there? There's a deeper meaning there. They've taken out the word, I will not be greatly shaken. See, we see that David's confidence in God has grown over his time as God continues to provide for him, as God continues to shield him from troubles, that his confidence in who the Lord is continues to grow. See, and this again reflects David's decision not to trust in anyone else, but to keep his eyes focused on God. God alone is his rock. God alone is his refuge. God alone is his safe place. See, we sense here that David was probably tempted to trust many different things, but he refused all that. And he kept with an expectation that God is the God and I'm going to trust in him alone. See, he says in this verse that he's my expectation, my rock, my salvation, my glory, my strength, my refuge. See, he's not content to know that God is all of those things, but no, rather he wants us to know that the Lord is all those things to him. He's personally seen what God can do in his life. See, Psalm 62 verse 8 says, "O my people, Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. See, David trusted in God. He trusted in God alone for his strength and stability. We see, we see a man that's completely focused on God for every single one of his needs. That we see God help him. He's resolved to look nowhere else, but I'm gonna keep my eyes focused on God. See, there was this man named Lord Craven, Back in the day, and Lord Craven was a Christian nobleman who was living in London when the plague ravaged the city, almost in the 15th century. And what many people did during that time is in order to, to get away from the plague that was spreading, many people of that social status would get all their things together, grab a coach, and they would head to their country home. And so one day, Lord Craven was doing that, and he, as he was walking down one of the hallways, preparing to leave the city, he heard one of his servants talking to one of the other servants. And this is what he said. I suppose by my Lord's quitting London to avoid the plague that his God lives in the country and not in the town. See, that statement right there was a seemingly innocent remark, but it did something to Lord Craven. It did something so deeply that he canceled his trip. See, it goes on to say that My God lives everywhere, he told those servants, and he can preserve me in town as well as in the country. I will stay where I am. So he stayed in London, and his legacy was that he went and helped the victims of the plague. And God's hand was on Lord Craven, that it said never once was he ill. Never once did he catch the disease himself. See, that's a word for our generation right now, what we're dealing with as a nation. See, there's a verse that I've clung to throughout this week that I've shared time and time again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, it says, stay alert, stand firm in the faith, show courage, be strong. Everything you should do should be done in love. See, I wanna tell you today to be fearful isn't a sin, but when you let it overtake your life, when you let it overtake your family, when you let it overtake your sleep, when you, when you let it overtake your life, it's completely in contrast to the life that God created each and every one of us to live. See, let me tell you today, I can be fearful or I can be faithful that God's still in control. See, I believe that right now. Even with the chaos going on, the uncertainty from day to day to day, I'm trusting that my God is still in control. Isaiah chapter 26, verses three through through four says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose mind is fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I love that phrase, whose mind is fixed on you. See, when you keep your mind fixed on Jesus, you find peace. In our last series, The End, we talked about our thoughts and how our thoughts will dictate where we go, how our thoughts will dictate how we feel about ourselves. And throughout scripture, it talks about the importance of the mind, how important our mind is. For instance, it says we are transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can have the mind of Christ, it says, We are not to set our mind on earthly things, but to set our mind on things above. See, where you set your mind will determine what you find in life. It will determine the kind of thoughts you think and what you focus on. See, Satan attacks our minds very cleverly. He puts doubts and fears where we start to question Is God even real? Is Jesus even in the midst of this situation anymore? And I love this quote from Joyce Meyer. She says, you cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. See, I wanna tell you today, your mind will determine where your life follows. So who's driving it? Are you letting the Lord, are you letting the Holy Spirit drive your thoughts, drive your life? Or are you letting the lies of the enemy dictate What's going on in your life? What's going on in your family? What's going on in this community today? See, I love that phrase that it says in here, perfect peace. In Hebrew, that's translated to shalom, shalom. See, when there's repetition in the Bible, that denotes intensity. That donates to it's something important. I look at that as double peace, if you will. See, that's my prayer for you today. My prayer for you is that you have a double peace portion of peace that you have perfect peace shalom shalom see all week I've asked God to give me peace all week I spent time in God's word because it seems so overwhelming what's going on and things change from day to day and hour to hour but I'll tell you God answered my prayers throughout this week I felt God's presence more than I have in a long time See, and there's some of you that are there right now watching this and you're scared and you're overwhelmed. You're worried about your job. You're worried about a loss of finances. Let's be honest, you're worried about being self-quarantined with your kids for the next three weeks. But I'll tell you, there's a God who shows up in your life every single time. He said, I just want you to invite me into your life. I want you to reach out to me, enter into a relationship. And there may be some of you right now that there are prayer requests, that there are things that are going on and you just want people to lift you up in prayer. Can I tell you, we have a thing that goes on every single week and you can email us at prayer at riversidepeori.com. That goes directly to our team. We send it out to our prayer team and we wanna be praying for you all week long. So even as you're watching it this week and you're overwhelmed, you're not sure what's gonna come next and you feel like, man, this fear is enveloping me. I'm dealing with so much with my family or with my relationships, I encourage you to let us know that how we can be praying alongside of you. See, several weeks ago, I shared with you the story, we're going on a bear hunt. And we said, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, sometimes you have to walk through it. Well, see, that story starts off saying, we're going on a bear hunt, we're going to catch a big one, and then the very next line is, we're not scared. See, right now, if you're scared, we understand that there's a God that wants to meet you in your time of need, that wants to meet you in your time of brokenness. See, I'm going to tell you today, I'm not scared any longer, but I'm prepared. And the reason for that is because so many years ago, I entered into a relationship with Jesus. I knew that there was a God who sent his son over 2,000 years ago that died a cruel death on the cross for me and for you. And there's so many times where I have to run back to him. That's the only hope I have in life when things get overwhelming, when things get scary. And see, today I would be remiss in our time together if I didn't invite you to enter into a relationship with Jesus. See, that simply is just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the mistakes I've made. The sins that I've committed. And today I want a fresh start. Today I'm asking you to walk with me into the future. I put my life in your hands. And see, when you do that, it's the best decision you could ever make. Because Jesus meets you where you are. And he begins to rewrite the future that he has for you. And so if that's you today, as as we wrap up our time together, no matter where you are, no matter where you're watching from today, I want you and your family to pray along with me. Will you bow your heads with me and repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the times that I've messed up. Today, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I ask you to come into my life, to rewrite my future. And today I'm stepping into the future that you have for me, free of fear, free of worry, and free of anxiety because I know that you are the God of the universe and I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, if you're praying that today, all of heaven is rejoicing and we wanna know about it. See, you can email us as well and we wanna know what your story is. Again, email us here at the church at info at and someone from our team will reach out to you. I guarantee you, we want to hear from you and we want to talk to you and help you on this journey. See this, I can't wait to see you face to face very, very soon. I love you, Riverside, and I'm expectant that very, very soon we're going to be back together again. Surround yourself with loved ones. Give each other an air high five, and I'll see you very soon. I love you. Have the best day.